Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories from ending emotional abuse and trauma and taking back your life. I'm your host, Carrie Veach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I'm a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within ourselves if we have the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the whole story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you uncover your perfect version of how to set yourself free. Join us for season one, where we follow five extremely brave women through their journey of setting themselves free. Through their stories, you will know that you are not alone that it does get better on the other side and learn practical ways that you too can set yourself free. Let's dive in. When did you know something had to change? Renee? You know what? Um, So I would say that after after the rape happened, um, I, I did go to counseling. And I did heal from that. However, I wish I could say like, I healed from that. And, um, you know, that was the end of that. And like, I never had to deal with anything ever again. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so right. That was the story. However, um, <laughs> um, I did go to I did start going to therapy and I did heal and that I healed that piece of myself. Honestly, it was kind of a means to an end. I was like, like, I just want to get my life back. And I just want to like, I healed from the rape and how it affected my life. Uh, But everything that happened in my childhood up until that point, I still did not deal with. Um, And it wasn't until just a few years later, I, um, everything kind of happened all at once. I had lost I didn't lose my job, but I, um, my job just wasn't, um, they lost the funding or whatever for my position. And I, so yeah, I, I guess I did lose my job, (laughs) 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 but I wasn't like fire. I lost my job. Um, I ended a relationship. Um, and then my best friend at the time, she and I had a falling out. So it was at this time that that's when like that's when things really started to shift um i think even even if i backtrack a little bit before that um when i just started that job and i just began that relationship i started to feel like things were just not okay for some reason i just started to feel depressed again and i remember being at that job um and i remember being in that relationship which wasn't a, a healthy relationship and I remember being in my job like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just, I would take the train there every day. And I just remember like on my commute, I would just be like, I should just end this. Like I just, I can't go on with my life anymore. And nothing in particular had happened. It wasn't it wasn't any like no major life event occurred, but I just, I started, um, I actually just started going back to therapy and all this stuff started to just come out from my childhood. Just, just little stuff. Like I wasn't even 
deep into therapy, but just, I started just being more aware and, you know, I just started like picking at those scabs and, um, all of this emotion kind of erupted. And I was like, I just, I can't, like I, I had all the pain that I had never felt. I started feeling all at the same time. Mm. And I was like, wow, I just don't want to live anymore. I just, I just can't do this anymore. And it, it honestly just took so much out of me to just keep going. Like it just took everything in me. Um, I was horrible at my job that year. Like I really, really was. Um, that relationship was horrible. It was, I was barely holding on. Um, and so then when that job ended and that relationship ended and I had a major friendship that ended, it was, it was the first time that I was just like looking straight into my soul and, um, I was in therapy and I realized like, oh, my whole life, like all of this has been a pattern and mm-hmm. all of this. And I guess for the first time I realized like, oh, this, this is all trauma. Like my childhood was traumatic. This was, these are unhealthy coping mechanisms. And, you know, I've been dealing with depression for half my life and, oh, this is anxiety. And, oh, I've had PTSD all this time. Um, and, oh, I'm not okay. (laughs) All of this is not okay. Um, just me being insecure and me, um, choosing horrible relationships and, uh, me just never having that sense of peace and security and wholeness. Um, all of that was just for the first time I was like, oh, this is not okay. This is not quote unquote normal. This is not the norm. This is just my norm. Um, and just feeling all the pain that I've I've spent a lifetime avoiding was very, very hard. And I knew that I just, I just knew that if I lived and I, and I held on for a little bit, I just knew that there had to be like a very small part of me. It's like, there has to be a better way to live. Like there has Mm -hmm. to be, there just has, like, I, I can't, I can't just, this can't be it for me, you know? And most, most of my brain was saying, this is it for you, you know, like this is all there is, but some small part of me is like, please, like, I just, I just want to like live and be happy. (laughs) Like, I just Mm -hmm. want just a little bit of joy and I just want to, gosh, I'm getting emotional now. Um, Mm -hmm. I just knew like part of me just knew that if I held on, something would be different and I, I could feel whole. I could feel a peace that I had never felt. And yeah, when all those things were stripped away from me, that is when I knew like, okay, <laughs> something has to give. Um, so let's figure this out. I love that because you found strength in such vulnerability and what felt like weakness, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah. you were able you were able to find that one percent or that five percent of you that said, "Okay, there has to be something different, yeah, yeah, it just looking back at it, it was just pure faith that just mm-hmm. because everything was telling me like this everything sucks, like it was just everything sucks, um everything is hard, um but yeah, part of me was just like. I just want to, I just want to get to the other side of this. If I could just Mm -hmm. get to the other side of this, like I'll be okay. You know? Um, Yeah. It was a dark time though. (laughs) That is so beautiful 
because so many of us have been there. Yeah. 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 It's true. I think so many people relate to those dark times where it just doesn't seem like anything's going to get better. And I had no inclination that anything was going to get better. It wasn't like, oh, I have this going for me or, you know, I had, everything was everything was bad <laughs> or it felt like everything, every single thing was bad yeah. at that time. And no one really understood. Like a lot of people, um, a lot of no, almost no one I knew was in therapy and everyone was just kind of like, what is wrong with her? Like, what is, mm. why are you so depressed? Um, so it was really just digging deep and finding that small sliver of strength to keep going. D. Well, yeah. Uh, when, you know, when I realized something really had to change was when I was about to go on anxiety medication. I had tried for two years. Oh my gosh, the journey I went on with that. I first I tried because when I started to try to get pregnant, um, I was diagnosed with celiac disease and I changed like how I ate and stuff like that. And I got pregnant right away, like literally within a week, like a week and a half or so. It was crazy. Um, so I, I did all that, but after I had my first child, I had um, postpartum anxiety and I didn't even know what anxiety was at that time. And I didn't know that there was such thing as postpartum anxiety. I would go into the doctor's office and they would say, all the questionnaires are all about postpartum depression. Now I wasn't depressed. I was crazy, <laughs> but I wasn't depressed. Not crazy, but you know, like in my mind I was panicking. So, yeah. you know, so, um, so I didn't even know that I had postpartum anxiety until like a year after my child was born. Um, somebody had mentioned it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I had. And, um, but I had started to try to work on myself and I started with um, the fertility doctors and like my hormones. I'm like, maybe my hormones are out of whack. Maybe my hormones are out of whack. So I did that and then everything came back normal. Then I did all food. So I did an elimination diet to see if that, because I was the problem in my mind. It was me that was the problem. It wasn't him, it was me. And um, I just kept trying to fix myself in all different ways, the food, the diet, the, um, the uh, exercise, um, trying to retrain my brain of negative thinking and, and stuff like this. But and I got to somewhat of a good place, but I mean, there was no fixing what was wrong in our marriage. Like we just weren't compatible anymore. He was just always on his phone, always, you know, doing things he wanted, never really keeping me in the loop of things and just wasn't working. So I totally, um, you know, when I was about like a few weeks away from going on anxiety medication, because even after all that trying to fix it was still, there was still something wrong. And you didn't, is that what happened? No, I didn't. I think the universe kind of stepped in because um, a week before I was going to go on, I was going to call the doctor and say, give me the pills um, because I, I felt like it was just me. Um, but I remember walking around the block with him. We were kind of separated at the, at this point, but this was like maybe maybe a year before the final last part. But I remember saying to him, I have tried to fix everything about myself. But I said, maybe it's just you. Mm-hmm. And I said that to him. And I said, maybe it's just you. He didn't like to hear that. But and it's so true. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't go on the medication because the universe stepped in. And that's when everything kind of fell apart. But all also all came together. So yeah, I didn't I didn't go on it. 
Well, and that must have felt so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm blessed for everything, even though like I've had all that stuff happen. Like I still feel so blessed for where I am now. Raw. Well, I knew something was really, really wrong, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily change anything with the relationship. I thought that thing that the thing that was wrong was me. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was the one who had depression. I was the one who had suicidal thoughts and it was all me, not the relationship. I couldn't distinguish that at the time. And I also didn't really know what a healthy relationship looked like. Mm-hmm. And so, So I didn't have a frame of reference as to whether or not our relationship was a good relationship or was a toxic relationship. Because for me, I thought, you know, a lot of people do fight and then like work things out or yeah, I think I'm 31 now and I haven't really been I've had two serious relationships and the first one was when I was 17 years old Mm. and then kind of after that relationship in between that and this other serious relationship, everything in between wasn't serious and so I, I didn't know what a normal relationship looked like and so I I literally thought, I knew something was wrong, but I thought it was me. And the interesting thing was, is like, there was like a moment where I was like, why can't I get out of this depression? Like I've been Mm -hmm. through it twice before and I've changed or I've done the things that have worked for me previously to get out of it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't working this time around and I was like why is it not working like why are things that have always helped me previously like they're not working this time and I couldn't quite understand it and couldn't quite get it and I was like I was like yeah I tried and then I tried therapy and that didn't work really. Like it helped a little bit that, again, it just, it wasn't really the cause of everything really. So, um, yeah. So in that, it sounds like you were blaming yourself, probably beating yourself up a lot just assuming all of the responsibility? Yeah, 100%, like the entire time. Mm -hmm. I constantly blaming myself and I felt like I had or I was doing everything that I could do to work on myself and make everything better. You know, meditation, journaling, (laughs) like going to therapy, working out, eating well, 
like so many different things and my that you know in saying that my mindset was I blamed myself for everything and he blamed me he said you're the one that needs to change and yeah. I want to see like serious positive change and you took that on yeah I 100% took that on mm. I was like I'm doing all of these things like I'm researching I'm going to therapy I'm reading all these different things and I would share things with him and you're like oh look this is what I learned about um like say for example attachment styles and how people are in relationships and mm-hmm. he would never want to like look at any of it or mm. <laughs> kind of <laughs> take any any form of responsibility really did you ever have a sense during the time like huh he's not taking any responsibility or is it all just connecting the dots looking back that you're able to say I see how much of this was not all of me um I think there were like moments where by like I definitely remember saying that like a relationship is a is a two-way thing you know mm-hmm. like there's things that we both need to work on and this is not all about me and I remember him like saying oh like maybe there's a small part as in like but like 10 percent but 90 percent is you mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like yeah but, most of it, most of it was, or most of the time was him being like, I don't have any empathy for you. Mm. Like, you know, like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't, it's like, you need to change. This is all, all up to you. Like that was the majority of the time. And yeah, it's really, yeah. (laughs) Like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, and because I know that a relationship is a two-way thing and both people can take responsibility, but he wouldn't and he chose not to. Right. And he chose to do nothing about it. Well, it's always easier from an outside perspective or looking back, right? When you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. Looking back is like when I, I was like, wow, <laughs> looking back through all my journals and everything that I wrote, mm. you think it was a really big thing for me. Like I'm so grateful that I did journal the entire time around how I was feeling, what I was thinking, the things that he was saying to me. Mm. Um, just going back and reflecting in it that way, I was like, okay, okay, actually didn't make this all up in my head and I'm not crazy. And like I did go through all of this, but like, as you say, like when you're out of it from the outside looking in or reflecting on it, it's it's quite different from being in it. Absolutely. I only saw what I really wanted to see, which was 
him in those good moments and the good parts of him, yeah. which, you know, as opposed to the other actions and behaviours. I saw the actions and behaviours whereby, you know, like he did all these things for me, he looked after me, um, you know, would take me away on trips, like, but then I wasn't paying attention to the actions and behaviours of like how he spoke to me or how he communicated or as in like didn't communicate. <laughs> um, and how he considered how I felt. Mm. Yeah, yeah, or how you felt the whole time of feeling like it is all my fault. This is in my head. I have to work this all out. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So reflecting on it, like I could see it all and then I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, and I think, too, the hardest part of it all is like because I blamed myself for everything for so long during the relationship. Like still, like I, I know that there are things that I did which were not good. And like I know that I can take responsibility for my behaviors. And I was like, okay, like that's a part of me that's not a great characteristic that I really need to change. Mm. Um and so, like, I think the hard part is acknowledging how this, I suppose, played out all this entire relationship, but then also to being, like, trying, oh, how do I say this? Like, I still had a part in it. Mm-hmm. Like, how I, like, in terms of, like, my my attachment style and my own insecurities and things from previous relationships in my childhood and how that affected how I see things and how I communicated. Like there were parts of me that I know I could have done better and I was actively working on it. I suppose that's the difference. I was like actively working on changing those things and he wasn't. Mm. Well, because every relationship is relationship, right? There's both parts and there's both sides and no one's ever completely right or wrong or it's not even about right and wrong. No, no. Yeah, that's it, right? Everyone has things that they can improve on and that they can work on to be the best versions of themselves. And as you say, every relationship is different. And so you learn different things from different people depending on what that relationship looks like, like how to communicate differently or how different people like to be communicated with, Um, you know, how to show love to a certain person you know, what a person values, all of those things. Um, So, like, I did learn myself, having not been 
in a long-term relationship like I I learned a lot about how to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with another person even though it was not a healthy one nor yeah so teenaging like teenage years were like more I think like high school years and like my friends were I would talk to my friends like I feel like there's a piece of me that's missing and I don't know what it is I can't be whole like I never felt whole you know um I went back to Pakistan in 2006 and I actually did meet my father and the whole and I thought the whole would like somehow magically fix itself. Um, but it didn't, you know, it cracked even more than I expected it to. And I was so shocked by my dad's behavior and his thoughts that I was so angry with him. And then I was like, this is it. I'm done. Like I need to like start recovering and let him go and not let him be my center of everything and like blaming the past for everything. So how did you even begin to do that work? Well, I went through therapy, which is something that's like not really a huge thing in my culture. So Mm. I was sneaking around at first, um, seeing a therapist. Um, My first therapist just um, totally did not understand me and my culture and just told me, well, you're 18 and you live in America, like you can do whatever you want. And I was just like, yeah, no, that's not how it goes. So like, I'm going to leave you, you know, and find somebody else. So I found another therapist while I was in college that seemed to be really helpful to me. And, you know, a lot of the issues that I developed, like body dysmorphia was due to like my self-worth and like my dad, you know, Um, and I didn't realize that they were all interconnected somehow, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like the challenging part was like going to therapy and really looking at the truth for what it was and not sugarcoating it and saying like, yes, this is emotional manipulation. This is emotional trauma. And, you know, my dad physically hurt me like with belts and things like that. And like would do other things like hide my notebooks, like when the tutor would come over and the tutor would get angry with Mm -hmm. me, you know? And so like none of that stuff makes sense to me because there's a part of me that remembers like one incident where I, my mom accidentally, because I was like pulling at her dress, like she had a kid in one arm and a boiling pot of water in the other and the boiling pot of water fell on me instead, Mm. you know? And um, my dad came rushing home to help me. You know, that was one incident I remember where my dad was really helpful. The second time was when I was kidnapped, you know, um, as a child. Yeah, we were at a wedding and I, my mom told my brother to like watch me. And I was, I just like waddled around with my brother and my brother didn't pay attention or didn't realize that I was with him and some woman snatched me up and put me in the closet and locked me up. And then my mom freaked out. And so the police were called and they're knocking on the doors. And like, so my mom comes in and says, you know, I think 
they could hear me crying and they're like, I think, and the police were like, can you open that door? Because we want to make sure that nobody's in there. Um, and so she was like, no. And, but they opened the door anyways. And the woman was like, this is my daughter. And I didn't want to go to my mom at all. So I was like, that's not my mom. And then my dad, they brought my dad in and like, I went to my dad and like, I just remember those distinct memories of like where he kept me safe and the rest is just all like trauma related history. So I, I know there was a piece of him that was good and there was pieces of him that were not so good. So like having to reconcile like what the image of my dad is in realistic terms was really difficult. Um, and so my DBT therapist told me that two things can be true at the same time, you know, and mm-hmm. I really hate that phrase sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no, don't say that to me. But I use that phrase all the time with my clients as well. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing it, you know, but it's true. Like you can feel angry and you can feel loved, you know, you can hate your dad and you can still love him. And like, I had a hate and love relationship with my dad. I mean, I generally dislike him. I don't like, hate's a really strong word. Um, so I don't hate him, but I pity him now, you know, but not when I was a child, I was very angry towards him. Yes. That went off on the detour a little bit. (laughs) No, I think, but I think that's so important to highlight because the process isn't linear for anyone. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, healing is a lot of ups and downs and bumps along the road and figuring out the right support for yourself. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, my journey definitely was not linear. Like, and and like for most people, it's not. You're right. Um, But yeah, I think for finally finding the right therapist that would help me with the healing process was like so important. Like finding someone that knew what they were doing, that were empathetic, that even if they didn't understand the culture, they were willing to learn about it and, you know, be like, okay, um, I understand this. Tell me a little bit more about your culture. How does that play into effect, you know, and my religion as well. So like, that was important to me that like my therapist got me on that level because it's so intricately woven my belief system and then what my value is and my worth is by the the actions of this man, you know, by choosing to walk out, he just was saying like, I don't care basically about my family, you know? Um, And that's the bottom line. And then where my belief system says, you know, like you need to honor your parents, you know, um, you know, heaven lies beneath the feet of your mother, you know, like all of these things. And then at the same time, they also say that if your parents don't provide you what you need, you get to question them at the end of, you know, on judgment day. So Mm -hmm. like, I already have a bucket list, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I want to know what you were thinking, like when you chose to leave, you know, like, I want to know the whole story, because I only have pieces of it. And like my, it's my mom's story. And like, my mom doesn't share, you Mm. know, so I only know pieces of it and I don't feel like I'm like full 
you know, or like I'm healed completely. So I have to accept the fact that I don't know all the facts and yep. whatever facts I know, like I have to accept them as they are and they're hearsay facts. So like I can't, I try to practice um, non-judgmentalness when it comes like using the rain technique. Like I'm not my emotion. I'm not attached to what my dad told me who I am. And so it's like a lot of that, that I have to work on and it's better now, but it's always there in the background. Well, and I think that's very honest that a lot of people kind of go one direction or the other. Yeah. Victim. There's no hope for me to get better or everything's rosy all the time. I'm healed. I'm better. Here's what you have to think about, do all the time to just live in positivity. Yeah. I'm definitely a pessimistic at the core because that's what my mother was, you know, and I feel like that gene was passed down to me. Um, So a lot of like doing a lot of gratitude journaling has really changed my mindset in regards to a lot of things. So I can say that I'm grateful now that my dad actually left because if my dad hadn't left, like I wouldn't be in America. I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you, you know, and have met you. Um, I wouldn't have the people or the experiences that I have now. So like, although it really sucks and it's painful as hell, having my dad leave me, there was some benefit to it, you know? Um, and I got, and I got those benefits. Um, so I have to live with that and say like, what, what, what is now the greater good? That's you know? so beautiful. So that's, <laughs> so yeah. So I try to think of it in that aspect. Nikki. There was... More than one of those, but the biggest one happened in 2015 when we were in Spain. So this is a little bit of a a theme here is the travel theme. So we were in Spain and again on about a five-week trip. It was um, a trip to Spain and Morocco. And by this time, my, our daughter had been born. So we had two kids. And on this trip, our daughter was seven, eight months old. And our son was two or three. And when we arrived in Spain, we had had this really big, long fight. I think you could categorize it as a come to Jesus talk. We had arrived in Madrid Our luggage had been lost. We weren't sure when we were going to get our luggage back. And in two days, we were supposed to leave for Morocco with or without our luggage. And we were kind of like, (laughs) what in the world do we, what in the world do we do? We were calling the airport. Luckily, I spoke Spanish, but it was hard to do on the phone. And anyway, so it was a super stressful situation. We were traveling with an infant and, you know, a toddler basically. And just crazy, crazy stressful. And the night we arrived, we had this big, long fight. And I was so upset 
I don't even remember everything that we were talking about, but it got really fundamental. It, it turned into one of those conversations about like the status of our relationship and how are we doing? And, and it was, it was really bad. It was really bad. And I was so upset that I actually, I think I called, I know that I called my parents via Skype because I needed support. I felt so alone and it was really, really hard. And it was during that conversation that I fell out of love with my husband. Mm. It was a moment when I could feel inside of my body mm. that our partnership had just broken. And I didn't communicate that at the time. Um, but later on on the trip, at the end of the trip, so we were in Spain, we spent some time in Morocco, and we had come back to Spain. That was, I had a moment when we were having lunch with our kids and I had to go to the restroom and I was, I don't know what was happening on that day. I don't know if something had just happened over lunch. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I was in the restroom. This is so romantic. (laughs) I was sitting on the toilet and I said out loud to myself, there are seven days in a week. And what that meant was, we need to get a divorce. I want a divorce, and I am now ready to face splitting up our time with our children. Mm. By this point, it had been a year, maybe over a year, since the first time that I had actually thought about the prospect of divorce. And I couldn't really go there seriously to explore it because I couldn't imagine. I mean, at this point, the first time I thought about divorce, I was pregnant with our daughter. Mm. And talk about an outrageously vulnerable time to think about divorcing your husband. Yeah. When you're pregnant and you are anticipating nursing your newborn. And I mean, that just, I I just couldn't go there. And you had a toddler. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it was on this, it was at this moment when I realized this is so bad. And I so know that our marriage is over that I'm ready to face splitting up Mm. our time with our children, which any parent can tell you is a heartbreaking, soul crushing reality to face. And that was the moment when I made the decision to leave. I made the decision to get a divorce. And it was maybe four or five days after we returned from that trip. So probably a week later that I told my ex-husband that I wanted a divorce. Mm. So you absolutely made up your mind in that moment. Yep. I had made up my mind and I said out loud, there are seven days in a week. All right, let's go. How are we going to do this? Thank you for listening to episode three, hearing these stories. I hope you're as moved and changed as I am of these incredibly brave women who are willing to be vulnerable, to share what it was like when they knew something had to change to admit that they were in a place where they wanted something different for themselves 
or for their children and that they somehow found the strength to do so and that it wasn't overnight. I think it's so important to highlight that change doesn't happen overnight. So I hope you find courage and strength in these stories. I know that I do. I know that it is one of the greatest privileges of my life to sit across from women, to coach clients, to work with clients on the things that they want to change in their lives, that they're willing to admit that they want help, that they need help, and that we get to find strength in support. So my challenge, my encouragement in hearing these stories and me knowing a bit more about each of these five women is that, again, your intuition is so worth listening to. And if you don't know what that is or what that might look like, that's okay too. Eventually, over time, I think as we do this work and as we continue to grow in our self-trust, we know what it sounds like and we get to listen and we get to make decisions based out of a place of trust and courage and belief in ourselves. But as you see of listening to these stories, it's a journey and one That is so much easier if we have self-compassion, if we learn to have grace and forgiveness and empathy for the parts of our stories that might be rigid, for the parts of our stories that might feel really challenging. And it's okay wherever you are on your journey, whether you're in the midst of knowing that something has to change or just so confused of where you are or want to be, that it's all okay. And that there is so much strength in finding the right help and the right support that you need. So know that you're not alone. Find courage in these stories. Find a place of excitement that it gets better. So thank you for tuning in. I can't wait for you to hear what's ahead as we continue to dive into these stories of what setting yourself free can look like because we all have different versions of freedom and I'm here to help you unlock your version of it. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I'm so grateful you are here supporting me and these incredibly brave guests. If you could do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free session to as a thank you for listening to this podcast. One thing I know for certain is that shame can only grow in secret. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up and help all of us know that we are not alone. So don't forget, 
head on over to my website at setyourselffreellc.com. Grab your free journal and you can also book a free call with me to see if we are a great fit in supporting your journey to setting yourself free. Thanks again and we will see you next week.